this was quite a different episode for me on multiple levels. On one level, we discussed a topic that I had absolutely no previous knowledge or experience of, other than the research that I did for the episode itself. Now, this made me feel a little bit unsettled. As a experienced generalist litigator, I've dealt with most areas of the law or have a basic understanding that they at least even exist, but this was quite the exception. On another level, when I looked into it, I actually realised that this is one of those rare situations where you actually find that there is a gap in the law and a gap that I believe needs to be addressed. What I did learn from it, and that very much builds on this, is that uh, the topic of body image law is absolutely worthy of discussion and research. It should be investigated further, and I do sincerely hope that you'll get as much out of this episode as, as I did. It was really a pleasure to have Marilyn Bromberg join me. It was both illuminating and educating in so many aspects. I do truly hope that you'll enjoy the podcast. Joining me on the podcast today is Dr. Marilyn Bromberg. She is a Director of Higher Degrees coursework at the University of Western Australia's Law School. She has a PhD from Murdoch University and teaches the units Social Media and the Law, Professional Practice and Law Advocacy, Activism and Change. In 2017, she received the Blackstone Society's Teacher of the Year Award. Marilyn has spoken at many noteworthy institutions, including Harvard University, uh, as well as the uh, before the Supreme Court of Canada. She also works as a lawyer. Marilyn researches and writes about issues that can make a difference, such as health law and body image law. And she's currently studying a graduate certificate in population studies at the University of Western Australia. When she's not... Uh, Researching or teaching, Marilyn also serves as a judge for the high school mock trial competition for the Law Society of Western Australia. Hello, Marilyn. How are you? Good. How are you? Um, well, other than a slight head cold, which you might pick up from my voice, um, I'm doing amazing. I've had a fairly full-on morning, um, but I'm really excited about our discussion and getting into the area of body image law. So what can you tell us about Body image law, I mean, what is it? Well, to understand what body image law is, you have to understand why many believe that it's necessary. So essentially, I mean, have you seen uh, images of women where they look either unhealthily thin or else um, curvy with a low body weight? And those images are meant to be the ideal body for a woman. Have you have you seen images like that? Yeah, look, look, I have, and um, I mean, I guess uh, I'm kind of without trying to show too much of my age. Um, you know, I kind of remember when Kate Moss was uh, was a professional model, and um, certainly, I guess it, it concerned me that that was a. Uh, an image uh, projected, particularly for, for for young women to aspire to, who just simply, you know genetically would, would never get there. Um, but in more recent times, and um, I guess I'm, you know, I've been aware of uh, some controversies, particularly in Australia, um, kind of thinking of the uh, Alex Perry um, and uh, Cassie Van Den um, debacle where uh, Alex Perry sort of made statements that uh, her uh, model agency shouldn't let her out until she looks healthier. Um, and, and and I'm sure that there would be people who would, would say the same thing. Um, there is a certain body image that is too thin. 
in terms of um, images of, of women, um, there's been a lot of research like um, uh, by Shelley McGrabe in the United mm-hmm. States, which has found that um, when you see these images of this ideal woman who is, uh, you know, unhealthily thin, uh, or she might be um, uh, of a low body weight uh, and curvy, um, then um, women might compare themselves. And if they uh, compare themselves and they feel that um, they don't measure up, that they don't look as good, then that can be bad for them psychologically. So it can develop into poor body image, you can develop into eating disorders. And these images are everywhere. They're ubiquitous, especially in the age of social media, where um, social media is all about images. So so that's where we start from, this this idea that these images are a problem and they're everywhere. The images are causing harm. I think, you know, what you're saying is it, it can cause psychological harm that can also manifest itself into physical harm, um, yeah. particularly if if you have someone who is, you know, feeling, you know, I, I guess adversely influenced by these images that um, to the extent where it's it's going to alter their behaviour into unhealthy into unhealthy practices, yeah? Yeah. And so um, Israel um, and then later France, and then later Norway, uh, passed laws um, to address this issue. So in Israel and France, um, if an image was modified to make the model look thinner, it needs to have a warning on it. As well, um, models need to be either of a minimum BMI in Israel or of a healthy weight in France, and they need to get a a medical certificate from their doctor for that. Um, in Norway, they, they just have the label that's that um, that the Norway law only requires uh, the label on the images. It does not require as well uh, anything in terms of the model's weight or BMI. Okay. So there have been three laws that have been passed. Um, the Israeli law was passed in about 2013. The French law was passed in about 2017. The Norwegian law that was passed in about 2021. So we have these three laws, which you might think, and also in the UK actually at the moment, uh, under um, uh, Luke Evans MP, um, he's got a bill in the UK Parliament to have a disclaimer on the um, modified images as well. So we've got three laws have been passed. There's a bill in um, in, in the UK um, that's trying to address this issue. But what is really unique and interesting and also horrifying about this is that there's a huge amount of medical research, uh, like by um, uh, Dr. Jasmine Farduli or Dr. Marika Tigeman in Australia, which has found that the disclaimers don't work. So if you put a disclaimer on an image and say, for example, this this image has been modified to make the model look thinner, it doesn't help the body image of the viewer. It makes it worse because they compare themselves more to the image, so we've got these laws in effect that um, you know, if you if you look at the health research and it's plentiful and it's peer reviewed, they actually um, they actually won't work. Kind of creating an unintended consequence. I mean, I I think because you mentioned it, maybe we just start with Israel because it sounds like Israel was was sort of a, a, an early adopter. You know, back in 2012, 13. 
um, the, the warning, uh, from what I understand, uh, of images, they have to say whether it's been modified, um, um, what, where there's been, what, 7% of the image, or it's, it's something along those lines. They've got some form of percentage. Is that, is that how it works? Um, the warning needs to take up 7% of the image. Ah, right. Okay. So is, is this, yeah. a, I mean, a, a, to, that sort of immediately made me think about things like the warnings that are on on cigarette packets, you know, where, you know, they'll have, the, have you know, a warning, often mm. uh, often a terrible image of uh, of what can happen if you smoke. But you're saying that the, the research is suggesting that putting the warning on there actually is, is counterproductive. Is, is, that, is that what I'm understanding? Yes, but also think about the nature of the warning. Like the nature mm. is that something to the effect of this image has been modified to make the model look thinner. That's yeah. very different than, say, putting um, a warning on cigarettes, which, you know, says uh, you could die or you could get sick, um, which I think might be um, quite, uh, you know, confronting and um, uh, extreme uh, and so it should be, but with the warning on the models, it's just yeah, on the images, it's just that the image has been modified um, typically, wow. um, and it doesn't it doesn't say, for example, if you try to uh, look like this model, um, you know what will happen to you. It doesn't say anything like that, for example. Well, well, I mean, that's I guess that's a really good point is to say it's all very well saying, hey, this image has been modified, but I mean. For someone looking at an image, modified from what? Um, yeah. You know, uh, and and what does that actually mean? Um, I guess the other part of it is this issue of um, BMI or um, you know body mass index uh, as a as a measure of what um, well let's just say good health or bad health might look like, and perhaps maybe that's where the warnings should go, is to say. Hey, this is an image of a of a of a model who's got a dangerously low BMI, um, and that's not good for your health. I mean, would would that? Do you think that might help? Good question. I don't know. Um, mm. That's for the psychologists to to decide. But the thing is that there are many problems with using BMI as well. Yeah. Um, so it's also hard to say what's healthy and what's not. Um, in that um, there's there's there are many different problems that the scientific community have identified with using the BMI. And then also you might have a model who is actually quite healthy in reality, but is one of the few who is actually naturally very very thin, right? Yes. So then what yeah. do you do in that situation when she's doing everything uh, possible to be healthy, uh, yet um, you know doesn't look that way? So yeah. I think it's it's more complicated than it appears. Like the, these laws in their current form aren't the answer. Like what might be the answer? Well, I think the answer to to addressing this issue is is uh, complex. But one possibility is perhaps um, requiring a diversity of sizes of models. So um, the health research has found that when you have diverse sizes of models and images, that that's good for mental health. Yeah. Now look, I, I did pick up. Um, the the issue of uh, Victoria Secret a couple of years ago um, yeah. started using uh, a model Ali uh, Tate Cutler uh, for uh, one of their campaigns uh, in partnership with a, a London lingerie brand Blue Bella. Um, she was uh, she was their first size fourteen model. Um, now, I mean, you 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 had some views on that. Um, I think one of your views was that Victoria's Secret was was remarkably late in the game and having diversity amongst its models. I mean, 
I mean, is that is the industry catching up? I think that there's been progress in the industry for sure um, uh, over time, more acceptance of a diverse array of body sizes, but there's still so much pressure. I mean, and there's still so much, I guess there isn't enough um, broadness in terms of an interpretation of what beauty should be for women. Mm. Um, it's still quite narrow, but it's certainly better than it used to be. But I think a huge thing besides, you know, is law the answer? Uh, you know, possibly, but a huge thing that needs to happen is a change in culture. There needs to be um, uh, education uh, uh, regarding um, uh, bodies and, and um, you know, teaching children that they shouldn't just um, try to conform to what societal expectations are for their body. So I think like a lot of things need to happen, but um, definitely the law in its current form, I don't think is the answer. Law might be an answer. Another possibility as well, um, uh, there's some research in its very early stages, which shows that if you show an image of what a person looks like in reality, besides their altered photo, that can be positive body image. Okay. Hey, now just going back to the culture aspect, I mean, do you think like language plays a, a part in that? And I'll just use the example that the industry talks about when they say, oh, well, we're now using plus size models. I mean, have you got a, a view about labeling someone as a plus size model? Yeah, actually, I was interviewed um, a couple years ago about that very topic, and I don't think we should be using the term plus size model or like, for example, um, you know, I, the curvy or that sort of thing. Um, I think that it's um, it's it, it's it's damaging because the thing is that when you look at the average model who is quote plus size end quote, she's actually normally the size of the average Australian woman. Um, or the average woman generally in a lot of Western countries. And so if you're that size, you're seeing a model who's termed plus size, then um, it makes you think that you are, are bigger than average and you're not. And I don't think that is helpful. I think we need to get rid of the term plus size. Um, and, um, you know, what, what do we call uh, a plus size model? Just a model. Yeah, absolutely. Let me just go back to, again, France. I mean, there is this uh, concept in the industry of being Paris thin. Do you think that the, the, the French laws are an attempt to, to address that, um, uh, that concept that, you know, models uh, in Paris need to, be, uh, need to be super thin? Um, I haven't heard the term Paris thin before. However, um, Paris and France generally – yeah, it's one of the fashion capitals of the world. And I think that by France legislating on this issue, it really is sending a sign to the world that um, that something needs to be done. Okay. Now, you, you mentioned about the UK, uh, a possible bill that's um, uh, working its way through to a, address some of the mischief that we've been talking about in this podcast um, yeah. involving this. Uh, but I understand that uh, at a more localised level, the you know the Greater London Authority simply banned back in 2016 ads that promoted unhealthy body images on their public transport. Do you know anything about that? Yeah. So what happened was the uh, the mayor of uh, London um, just decided um, to uh, to ban these ads on public transport, and he said it was because he had two teenage daughters. And I think that um, 
it's a good example of the legislation or change in this area happening because it's often um, a politician who has some sort of connection to um, uh, the kind of culture that's relevant or um, knows someone impacted by an eating disorder that, that causes change to happen. Um, it makes me think of in Israel, how the first law was passed was actually because Adi Barkin, who was a fashion photographer, um, he had models who were friends who were dying from eating disorders. And then he started a very lengthy um, and very, um, very important campaign with uh, Rachel Adato, a politician in Israel, to try to get the law passed there. So um, it's a lot of kind of ad hoc um, uh, advocacy that is seeing um, change in this hap- this area happen. However, the thing is that um, it needs to reflect the evidence. I think if you're gonna if you're going to pass laws um, and, and go through that effort, like at least review the health evidence and and have the legislation reflect that. Yeah. Now, um, I think Norway the following year in 2017 followed a, a similar policy uh, where they um, banned ads that um, promoted unhealthy body images in public places. Um, is, does that sound right to you? Uh, that was a city in Norway. Oh, so it was city. Trondheim. Oh, okay. Yeah, city. Trondheim, Norway. Yeah. Um, and they did that. And yeah, and that's correct. But they, they passed their national law in about 2021. Okay, well, I mean, it's, I guess to a degree it's good to see that there are um, localised responses to this, this issue uh, which um, uh, are leading to more national uh, responses. Um, perhaps there's, there's some hope in New Zealand and Australia that something could be introduced uh, here down under to, to, to really address what, what, what appears to be quite a serious issue, yes? Yeah, I think I think it would be good if um, in New Zealand and Australia they um, carefully reviewed the health uh, research out there. It is plentiful, and then um, sought uh, opinions from relevant stakeholders with a view to passing legislation that reflects the health evidence. Yeah. Now on the health topic, and I know I'm bouncing back to France, but it's just that it's sort of the area which I was able to get a bit of information on. And that yeah. is, uh, uh, there's, there's also a, 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 a prohibition, I understand, in France that you can't hire a model unless the model's got a verified medical certificate um, certifying that, you know, that they're actually at a healthy body weight. Uh, and, and if you do uh, uh, engage, uh, you know, and hire a model without such medical certificate, the, the fines aren't small. Um, uh, it's 75,000 75, euros. So I'll just say, you know, approximately 120,000 uh, Australian, uh, 140,000 Kiwi, uh, New Zealand, and, and up to six months in jail. I mean, that, that, this is quite a, a significant punishment. Um, and I, I, I guess that maybe reflects how serious the French see this as an issue. Uh, have, you, have you got thoughts on that? Uh, we will also, yeah, a few. Well, I did want to add that in Israel as well, models need to use uh, have a medical certificate for their BMI in order to model, and then also there can be civil uh, punishments in Israel. But in terms uh, for breaching that, but in terms of France, like you know, if we're talking about 120,000, uh, you know, the equivalent of 120 or 150,000 Australian dollars, I think that for 
a um, you know the large businesses in France, I would think that that probably isn't much. Um, but certainly, six months in jail, I, I think um, you know might uh, have some sort of deterrent effect. But also, I think the thing is that you know I think six months in jail could very well have a deterrent effect. I think for the the the, the small small businesses, the the financial penalty would probably have a deterrent effect. But also, the issue is: is this law being enforced? I mean, that's a thing as well. So it's all good, you know, to have um, this sort of uh, punishment potentially. Uh, but you know, is it being enforced? But the thing is that um, I don't. I don't think that um, uh, it's worth it to have these sort of punishments for legislation that um, doesn't reflect health evidence and won't improve things. I think if there's legislation that, um, based on the evidence, could help the people of France, then um, I'm all for these kinds of uh, punishments. And in fact, I think that um, for the financial uh Potential penalty, financial de- penalty should be um, should depend on the the turnover of the business or the revenue of the business. And so, for a small business, you have a smaller penalty, and for the large businesses, you hit them much harder than what they're currently hard uh, 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 hitting them with. Um, and therefore, because um, I, I don't I don't think it's necessarily equitable, nor will you get the best result having just one size fits all kind of penalty. Yeah, look, I, I mean, I, I'm I'm with you with that. For some businesses, they would just see it as a tariff potentially um, yeah. that they can easily absorb. Um, I mean, New Zealand and Australia do have uh, proceeds of crimes provisions and legislation that could possibly engage. Um, but yeah, certainly there is a there is a, a penalty there. Um, now. Let's talk about social media and the law and how this fits into body image law because social media plays such a a major part in many people's lives, but particularly young people, teenagers, those in their early 20s. And body image uh, plays a plays a part in that depending on, you know, what accounts people follow um, and, 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 you know, uh, what, they're, what they're accessing over the internet. Where's the, the interconnection between social media and body image law? Sure. Um, well, with social media, people are exposed to a huge amount of images. And, um, you know, when you sign up to social media – it's normally because you want to stay in touch with friends or read the news or find out about your organizations or see many of my very cute puppy photos. It's not because you want to see images of people that are altered to make them look um, like they fit into the ideal version of beauty, right? And so mm-hmm. the thing is that social media very image-based medium, so many images that are modified to make people look better than they do. And there's a huge body of evidence, um, including by Marika Tigeman and Jasmine Farduli, which has found that um, what happens is is what I described before, is that people see these, these doctored images or these images that are the best possible of people, and they compare themselves. And if they think that they don't measure up, then it can negatively impact their body image, and it could potentially lead to eating disorders. Yeah, okay. So uh, you know, do you see that there may be a, a role for some of these social media platforms to play in trying to help 
solve this problem. I mean, Meta, you know, we used to know it as Facebook, but, it, you know, it owns Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, or, you know, various other uh, online channels. Do you, should, a, should a company like that uh, take some responsibility for helping improve or, or at least mitigate against the dangers of um, uh, bad body image, um, uh, I guess, communications? You bet they should. Um, it makes me think of there was a whistleblower in the United States. I don't know if you heard. I think it might have been maybe a year ago or so, a year and a half. Um, and I think her name might have been Frances Haugen, I think. Mm. Uh, don't quote me on that. And she um, leaked a huge amount of uh, information from Meta. And one of the things that she leaked was that Facebook or Meta um, knew that social media negatively contributed to poor body image of its users and didn't really want to do anything about it. I was just complacent, happy for it to occur. Is that is that is that what the conclusion was? Oh, uh, listen, I don't I don't think that they were happy no. uh, about it, uh, but I don't think that um, they decided to take enough action to address it. Okay. So coming back to Australia and New Zealand, we'll start off with Australia. Um, I mean, it's my understanding that the uh, the government's position is that it's a, it's an industry issue to solve and they're, they're just leaving it up to the industry. Is that still the, the position? Yes. Yeah. Um. I mean, I guess this is part of, uh, you know, why we have laws is, is when you leave it to people to solve problems, to um, resolve mischief, mischief um, and, that, and, they're, and they're doing a poor job of it, um, it, it isn't it time for, for, for the legislature to, to step in and say, look, we've given you an opportunity and, yeah. and you're not doing it. So, so what, what, what if anything has uh, has the, the the Australian government done at any point in time to try and encourage the industry to to I guess up its game on this point? Well, um, in about twenty ten or so, uh, the Labor government and, and their youth minister at the time, Kate Ellis, put together a voluntary industry code of conduct. Yeah. So it made these recommendations, um, like you should use models who are diverse and have are, are of a healthy weight and that sort of thing. Um, and it had some good ideas, but they were very vague. But importantly, it wasn't a law, uh, yeah. so therefore um, it wasn't it wasn't really widespread in terms of taking it up. So they, so that that was done. But I mean, I think the thing is that we need to remember that um, a lot of the people who are impacted by these images are vulnerable. They're um, young people. Um, they don't critically analyze what they see, um, and uh, they take things at face value. And therefore, I feel like the government does have a responsibility, particularly for them, to uh, to take care of them and, and to do something because um, they are so vulnerable. I mean, certainly, I'm yeah. not saying that these images don't impact people who are older. They certainly do. But uh, by and large, some of the worst impact we're seeing is uh, – Young people. Well, I mean, it, it's a hallmark of any civilized society is the degree to which it uh, protects and looks after the interests of its most vulnerable. And I mean, you're yeah. rightly saying, you know, we've got these young people 
who the science is saying or, or establishing are being adversely affected uh, by uh, poor body image um, and the various fashion industry taking one industry, but you can also say advertising and media as well, um, they are, you know, they've got a responsibility here. They are uh, the ones that are peddling it, perpetrating it, promoting it. Uh, they've had an opportunity at least back at 2009 uh, and 10 to sort themselves out on a voluntary basis. And if they're unable to do so, then isn't that just screaming out to you that it's time to regulate? Definitely. Okay, right. And um, I guess regulation, is, is there a model that we can we can look to? I mean, we've talked about Israel, we've talked about France. Um you know, is is there is is there a model there that could be a good blueprint or a starting point for some legislation that could uh, help take a, or at least be a positive step towards addressing these problems? No, I don't know of any that is a good blueprint because none reflect the evidence. I think there needs to be um, politicians working with psychologists in body image who understand the peer-reviewed uh, research to put together something that's evidence-based. So unfortunately, at this point in time, notwithstanding that there are body image laws in the world that exist, I don't think that any would be um, a relevant blueprint for New Zealand or Australia. Okay. Well, so it's really going to be a a starting from, it sounds to me, a starting from scratch approach of various stakeholders being involved to uh, formulate um, a, a regulatory regime. Uh, yeah. That is that that's going to um, uh, provide protection, but also just make make it safer for people to to watch advertisements, to be exposed to them, to get onto social media, etc. Yes. Yeah, and and yeah. I'd also like to see the existing body image laws modified to reflect evidence as well. Okay, and and are there any in particular that that, that stand out for you? Oh, all of them, I think, yeah. need to be modified so they reflect the evidence. Yeah. Okay. Well, it, it seems there's quite a bit of work that really needs to be done to yes. to, to to move this forward. I mean, it is, um, I, I guess it's a question of getting some political motivation, um, yes. some politicians that are prepared to accept that this is a problem and, and it's one that needs to be addressed. The industry doesn't appear to, in Australia, to have addressed it, um, and, and it can't carry on. Precisely. Yeah. All right. Well, look, I, I think this is a, a great uh, topic and space that um, it, it's, it's really, I mean, it almost typifies, you know, the law and, and potential development for the future. Um, it's, uh, you, you and others have clearly identified and certainly the overseas experience in some countries, you know, we've mentioned Israel, France, uh, the UK and Norway, is that uh, there is a, there is a science there to say that, you know, harm is, is caused and, and it needs to be addressed. You can't leave it up to the industry to, to do it themselves. Uh, there is a, a role to be played in the law. And, and I guess, you know, we're at a, at a point where here in New Zealand and Australia where that opportunity exists for our lawmakers to uh, engage and, you know, develop some law into the future that's going to make New Zealand and Australia better places to be. Here's hoping. 
Look, Marilyn, thank you very much for joining me on the podcast today. It, I mean, it's personally been a fascinating dive into uh, an area of law that I've just literally never come across, body image law. I feel more enriched for it and uh, better informed. Um, and uh, look, I'm I, I'm going to watch this space and I, I think a few of, of the listeners will, will do that as well and, and hoping that the status quo doesn't remain because the status quo doesn't sound like it's it, it, it's helping. It's not. Thank you so much for having me. Um, and uh, it's been such a, pl- a pleasure speaking with you, Chris. Okay. Hey, it's been really good connecting with you. And look, thanks for joining me on the podcast. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in and listening to this episode of the Law Down Under podcast. You're welcome to join in on the discussion via my podcast page, which you can access at patterson.co.nz. That's p-a-t-t-e-r-s-o-n dot c-o dot n-z. Thanks for supporting the podcast and tune in again for more on the law, its application and the future of the law here down under.